from the New International Version. The words will also be on screen, uh, though I invite you to open a pew Bible or a device if you'd like to have one handy during the sermon. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village... Did I forget a song? I did forget a song. We've got another song to sing before we read scripture. Let's backtrack a little bit. Let's try this again. From the top, we'll come to the word to hear God's word from John 11. I'll read the words from the NIV. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this Mary, the, whose brother Lazarus now they, lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. After he had said this, he went, uh, sorry. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, said Martha to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. 
The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary noticed how quickly, uh, comfort in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But, but some of them said, could, he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did not I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, would always, you always hear me, but I say, said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is, I, I think, one of the, the saddest stories in the Bible. It's the only one we have where Jesus cries. And it's, it's only one of a handful of stories where people are raised to life. And it's certainly one of the most dramatic stories, this terminal illness, uh, uh, four days in the grave, and a body coming out of a tomb wrapped in cloths. And this story comes as the last and the greatest of Jesus' signs in this first part of the book of John. He's been doing these amazing miracles that show who he is. And it's also the fifth time in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am. Jesus reveals himself as the great I am. And by raising Lazarus here, Jesus reveals that he is the source of all life. That he foreshadows his own resurrection and he points to the resurrection of all believers. And because of those three things, this text is sometimes used at funerals. In fact, I heard it mentioned at a funeral this week. Just a week ago, uh, Terry Drenth passed away, a friend and daughter and online attender of our congregation. And she passed away after a long, hard battle with cancer. And we mourn her death along with her family. I asked Terry's husband, Steve, if I could share some of her story as part of this sermon because it fits so well with the story of Lazarus and, Lazarus, and he said that she would have liked that. She would have loved it. Terry was 
a part of us, even though she wasn't often with us. And she lived in Katy, Texas, the suburb of Houston. And her uh, husband, Steve, and she joined our online services since the pandemic started really faithfully, first joining our church, and then when that was over, joining their church for worship as well. Uh, Their church was a Redeemer Community Church in Katy, a, a church that they helped start many years ago. And she loved Jesus, and she is with him. And yet we miss her, because it is not right that death takes people from us like this before they've lived out their full years, that, that cancer and other diseases are this scourge on our bodies, that we suffer aches and pains in this life, that we, we live under this pall of pestilence and pandemic. It is not right that our bodies are decaying even before we hit the dirt. We humans count our life in years or decades and many of those in pain and suffering. As Psalm 90, one of my favorite psalms says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for, for they quickly pass away and, and we fly away. Death always comes too soon, whether the person is young or old or in between, because death is not the way Things are supposed to be. And we know this deep down. We know it is not right that we suffer and die. And Terry's, husband, uh, Terry's son, Tyler, spoke during the service last week. And he said something that stuck with me. He said that the last five years of his life have been marked by the many wonderful things. Graduating from college, uh, getting married, starting a career as a teacher. But the shadow of death hung over all of that. The cloud of his mother's cancer was this uncertainty that hung over those years. And that, that is one of the losses that, that ongoing illness can bring to a family, even before death even comes. And sometimes family members of the loved one uh, carry these hard questions within them. They might ask, why, why her? Why now? Why this? Or, or if only I had, if only I had done, if only you had done, if God had only. And that's the same question that's on Mary and Martha's lips, Lazarus's sisters. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she asks that question after Jesus delays his arrival for two whole days. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days and in the tomb. And it's one of the more confusing things that Jesus does in his ministry. That he hears this word from his dear friends, Mary and Martha, that their brother brother Lazarus is sick. And they call him the one whom you love. The one whom you love, that's the same title in the Gospel of John that is given to that disciple of Jesus whom Jesus loves. And some commentators even think that they might actually be one and the same person. We don't know that for sure. But despite Jesus' love for Lazarus, he does not come right away. Instead, he he says says this cryptic thing that this illness will not end in death. Uh, Some translations say this illness is not fatal. But it's really a bit more mysterious than that. Other translations say, this illness is not unto death. Meaning, the, the end point, the result, the, the culmination of this illness is not death. But that is not the same thing as saying that Lazarus will not die. Because he does die. 
because illness was deadly, whatever it was. John doesn't tell us whether it was cancer or gangrene from a wound or a virus. It doesn't really matter to the story, but what matters is that the one whom Jesus loved is dead. And on top of that, Jesus' disciples know the risk that they're taking. See, going back to Judea means that they are risking death themselves. That Jesus is a wanted man and the authorities want to get him and seize him if they can. And still Jesus says, they are going so that you may believe. So that you may believe is really the overall theme of the whole Gospel of John. Uh, These things are written, it says at the end, so that you may believe. And Thomas, one of the disciples, gets it, I think. He says, let us go then that we may die with him. Now, it's not clear if he meant Lazarus or, or Jesus at this point. He just knows that death is their destiny. But the good news in the story is that it is not. That not for Lazarus and not for the disciples. And we see this as they come near to Bethany, this town that's just outside of Jerusalem, kind of a suburb up on the hills. And Mar- Martha runs out to meet them. And she falls at Jesus' feet and says those terrible words, If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she says those words out of the depth of her sorrow. But she says them with this deep faith and hope. And she adds, But I know that even now God will give you what you ask. She knows that Jesus has power. She trusts his authority from God. She knows the signs and miracles he's done She doesn't, but she hopes maybe that he can do this ultimate sign. And Jesus says simply, your brother will rise again. And Martha responds with faith, but perhaps with a little bit of annoyance. I know that he will rise again on the last day. She knows her Bible. She knows her theology. She knows what God will do for those who live and die in faith. And she knows that God can bring even the dead back to life again. But something, she she thinks it's something that happens out there. Something that happens far away, a long time in the future. She doesn't realize that resurrection life is here. Right here. Right now. Right in front of her. And Jesus declares boldly to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is, I think, one of the most amazing of the I am statements of Jesus. Because Jesus' very identity is life. His very being is life. Because Jesus is one with that great I am, the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the the author and creator and giver of all life. And, And of course, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He's the source of all life. And through him, life comes where only death seems possible. That is what Jesus is saying here. And Martha, Martha replies with one of the clearest confessions of who Jesus is. She says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, come into the world. And then she runs off to get her sister Mary and brings her to Jesus. And Mary falls at Jesus' feet and says almost the same thing as her sister. If only You had been here, Lord. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
See, both sisters trust in Jesus' power, but they see the death that is in front of them, and they think the road is ended for Lazarus. What healing can be done after he is dead? It it reminds me of uh, that passage we heard last fall in Ezekiel, the vision of the valley of dry bones. And God brings him before this valley and says, Son of man, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel responds, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And God tells him to prophesy to these bones, to call the bones to come together, bone to bone, flesh to flesh, sinew, knitting them together. And then God's Spirit blows into that valley this breath of life and fills their bodies with life and they breathe. And that is resurrection power. Daughters of God, Martha and Mary, can these dry bones live? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And out of his humanity, Jesus responds to their grief, to their deep emotion, to their question. He is troubled. He is moved. He he will even come to tears, but he is also mad. Jesus is angry that this crowd of people who have followed Mary out of her home and come to witness this encounter, he's mad that they don't seem to have faith, that their weeping is final, that they don't... They don't see the possibility of resurrection. Uh, he's not angry that they're, that they're crying per se because that's this normal human response to death. But he's angry that the powers of death hold any kind of sway over human life. He's angry that this death happened at all. He may be angry that people don't see God's resurrection and life right in front of them. And whatever it is, Jesus asks simply, where have you laid him? And the people respond like Jesus' disciples did way back at the very beginning when they started following him. Come and see. See, their invitation is to witness the gravity, the finality of death. And Jesus does. He comes and sees. And what Jesus does in response to this death is to weep. He weeps for his loved one. Out of, this, out of his deep humanity, Jesus weeps. And people make what they will of that. I've heard a, a lot of sermons on it. But some people say, oh, he loved him. And others said, he should do more. Jesus doesn't really care for this guy, but Jesus does. And he goes to the tomb. And he, uh, this cave with a stone over the entrance, much like the tomb that will one day hold Jesus' own body. Inside, there are probably several low shelves carved out of the soft limestone to hold two or three bodies and then maybe a space in the back to store the dry bones. And they place Lazarus there, wrapped up. And Jesus, still deeply moved, tells them to take away the stone. But people object, including Martha. She says, after four days in this climate, this hot, dry climate, the body will smell. It's best to bury people right away before they start decomposing and not come back or anywhere near the tomb until the dry climate has totally dried out the body. But Jesus tells them to believe again for the second time and they must trust him at least a little bit because they take away the stone and he calls out, to Lazarus. He, he, he prays to the Father for their benefit. Thank you for hearing me. And he doesn't ask specifically for resurrection in this moment, for life, because it's obvious that that's what's most needed here. And he calls out to Lazarus, come out! And out he comes. And Lazarus, who was dead, wrapped in these cloths of death, now is alive. 
And the way people respond to that is telling because some of them believe as they should after seeing a dead man come to life but others are not quite so sure what to think. Some of them go to the Pharisees and report what Jesus did. They they tell what's happened. and, And this sign, this statement, this I am the resurrection and the life, I raised Lazarus, come out, is the thing that gets Jesus killed. You see, it's not all his teachings. It's not all his miracles. It's not his great crowd of followers. No, it's resurrection. It's this sign that I am the resurrection and the life. Because if there's one thing that those people in power cannot stand, it is life. Power to be in charge often comes at the cost, at the price of someone's death. And Jesus has shown that his power is even over life itself. Jesus has power to raise from the dead, power that can only, finally, come from God. And this is when they decide to kill Jesus. This is when they decide that he's too dangerous, too powerful, too unpredictable, too popular. The giver of life must have his life taken. But though they may take his life, he will take on those powers of death itself and bring life, full life, kingdom life, to all who believe. And this resurrection life that Jesus gives to Lazarus is this preview of Jesus' own resurrection. How Jesus will be put in a tomb much like this one. He'll be left there for dead for three days. And he will be raised to life, to glorious life. And it also points to our own resurrection. That those who are found in Christ, the giver of life, will one day rise again. As one of the pastors said at Terry's funeral, he said, yes, Terry is dead. Her body is here in this coffin, but we know that she is with Jesus now. She is in his presence. She's in his hands. Uh, We're going to take her body to the cemetery and bury her there. And one day that body, the one that makes Terry who she is, the one with which she loved and lived and praised God, will be raised to new life again. In, the, in God's kingdom, full life in God's new heaven and new earth. And how exactly that happens is a mystery to us. How, how can our bodies that are disintegrated and decomposed become whole and new and complete again? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And, and how can who we are, whether you call that a soul or some integral part of the body, how can we be with Jesus now and yet yet the one and be with Jesus now and yet also be one in the resurrected life with our bodies on the last day? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. We don't know, but we believe it. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Because that's his identity, and it's ours too. And resurrection life is not just for the future. For that one day long in the distant future when God's kingdom comes, it's for here and now too. Resurrection life looks like Terry's life, I think. How she served her community. How she she joined the PTA and led her school. How she loved her family fiercely and her God even more how she helped start Redeemer Community Church back in 98 and helped move chairs and set up things and uh, greet people and run children's ministries and youth ministries and welcomed people into her home, how she remained this force of love and faith and hospitality throughout uh, nearly 25 years of ministry in that congregation. 
She welcomed people to Jesus. And she delighted in life. And that is this kind of resurrection life that Jesus invites us to. Come out, he says. Come out of death. Come out of the ways that hinder and entrap you. Come out of the sins of of gluttony and greed, out of the ways of wanting and wasting. Come out of the tomb and come into the life that I have for you. It is resurrection life because of who I am, the resurrection and the life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, you who are life, our resurrection is found in you and we trust that as you raised Jesus from the dead, as you raised Lazarus from the dead, so too one day you will raise Terry. And us, those who are found in you, those who trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to be raised up to new life. We know, God, that you have Terry in your hands just as you hold us in your hands, that our only comfort is found in you. For you are life and resurrection. And we trust in you. We hold on to that life, that life for the life to come, but also that resurrection life here and now. And we pray that you open our eyes to connect the two, to live your resurrection life here and now, that we may be prepared for the life to come. As we walk with Jesus to the cross, may we always keep our eyes fixed on him, the resurrected one, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. As we respond to God's statement, to Jesus' statement that I am the resurrection and the life, we'll we'll hear a song that comes to us from uh, the Canadian Christian Reformed Church, a song that's based on the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer one. What is my only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So I invite you to reflect on this song through this video that we'll watch together as we consider Jesus' resurrection life for us now.